Well, good morning, church. I just just want to pause for a moment before we kind of jump into this and just kind of ask some questions because, you know, sometimes we sing songs and I sit in the front and the only person I can hear is me and the only people that can around me can hear is probably me. And so I just want to know, do you you believe what you sang this morning? Do you believe that the same God who delivered then is the God who delivers now? Do you believe the same God who saved back then is the God who saved now? The God who healed back then and listened back then, do you think he's still the same God? Do you really believe that, church? Do you believe that if he did it then, he will do it again? Do you really believe that? Okay, that that wasn't very convincing for me. Do you really believe that? If we do, it should shape our worship. It should shape our enthusiasm, and it should shape how we live our lives. And I just know, because I hear stories, and I know stories, and I talk to people, some of you have come into the room, and you've got some real junk in your life. You've got some baggage in your life. There's some of you that are being held back and pushed down because of what's going on in your life. And I just want to pray over you this morning. I want to pray that the songs we just sang aren't just words that we regurgitated because they were on a screen. They were truths that we proclaimed that we believe that will shape how we live. So right now, let's just, once again, let's go to the Lord. God, I I pray this morning. I pray for people. I know there are people in the room that are hurting and are struggling. And God, even before we jump into your word this morning, I just feel like we need to come to this place collectively as the body of Christ going, we believe this. We believe you are the same God. The God of Moses, the God of Jacob, the God who delivered and saved and healed. We believe that the God that you're the God who did it then, and you're the God who still does it today. We believe that you can do it again even today, God. And I know we sing that, but do we live that way, Lord? And I pray that right now, even as I pray, Lord, that you would begin to convict our hearts. That if we really believe it, as the old expression goes, we would begin to put our money where our mouth is. And that we would begin to live it out. And even as we dive into your word, that a heart would reflect what we believe. If we believe you're the same God, may we anticipate what, what your word would have for us this morning. If we really believe that, Lord, that it would shape how we leave this morning. If we really believe that, Lord, it would shape the moments we have at the end of the message where we sing and adore and exalt your name as the King of Kings. God, if we really believe it, may it overtake us this morning. And may it shape our thinking, may it shape our worship, and may it shape how we live our lives. So God, be with us. Speak to us. And it's in your son's name we pray. And the church said amen. amen. And the church said amen. amen. Now this weekend, as you know, as, as Kent mentioned, starting Wednesday through tonight is our Global Impact Conference. And something that Cross Life has done ever since that I've been here, minus our COVID year. We didn't do a lot during COVID year. But it's something we've done all the time, and it's an incredible time. And, and let me just tell you kind of the purpose of Global Impact Conference. There's really two purposes. One is to celebrate and encourage missionaries. To celebrate and encourage missionaries. The other thing, in fact, we have some missionaries with us this morning. Some of you got to see them in small groups. One more child had to leave, but we've got uh, Patrick and um, uh, Christy, right? Katie. Oh, so wrong. Okay, so Katie. Patrick and Katie. Stand up, Patrick and Katie. They are with New Life Church that is in New York City. Let's show them how much you appreciate them. And we've got Bo and Jessica with Pioneer. Stand up, you guys, if you would. Let's show them how much we appreciate them. 
And Patrick and Katie have, have launched, uh, they've got their campus there in, in the Queens, but they've launched a campus in the uh, financial district. And so he's going back and forth trying to grow two church plants and, and, uh, and they're doing an incredible job there, incredible work and, and pioneers on the front edge of going to people groups that have never heard the gospel, these, these groups and training those people and sending people out so that the good news of Jesus can be heard all around the world. And so we are celebrating and encourage missionaries this. Have you felt encouraged these last four or five days? I sure hope so. We love these people. We love what they do. And as we can, we want to join them where we can. And so we celebrate them. We encourage them. But another reason for Global Impact Conference is so that we as a church can be challenged to give to missions. In fact, you may not know this, but I want us all to know this this morning, that our church, Cross Life East and Cross Life Oviedo, give to missions in two different ways. One way is we give a percentage of all that comes in through the tithes of the course of the year. A percentage of that goes to missions. It goes to what we call Southern Baptist, the cooperative program, where we give to international and to uh, uh, domestic missions, North America and international missions. We give that way. But another way we give is through the Global Impact Conference. In fact, let's throw that, that slide up here. You probably can't read it from the back, but I'll tell you, this year our goal for global missions is $300,000 from Oviedo and the East Campus. But here's the breakout of how we do that. First of all, we give some money to church plants. Like we give money to the church plant in New York with Patrick. We give one to uh, Jason Polk and, as Echo Church in Anaheim, California, which by the way, just planted another campus in downtown LA. We also give to community outreach programs, different groups around our community that, that serve and, and share the gospel. We give fun, funds to them. Also, different ministry and missionary partnerships that we have. Also, Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon is the, the Christmas time offering, and then Annie Armstrong is our kind of statewide offering that happens in April. But then we have about $170,000 that we try to allocate that's given toward mission trips and projects that people on Cross Life Oviedo and East Campus goes on. So we take the funds that are given and disperse them in such a way. I've lost my, there you go. There's my notes. That would have been bad. And we disperse them in such a way that we can support missions literally all around the globe, all around the globe. So if you've not come to Global Impact Conference on Wednesday, I want to encourage you to come tonight. If you want to eat dinner, all you got to do is register. There's a QR code outside. We can give that to you. Register. Show up at 5 o'clock. It's, it's going to be a great time of eating. If you don't want to eat, you just want to come 6 o'clock, it starts. I would love, we had about 20 or so of our East Campus there this, this last Wednesday. I would love to pack the place out with East Campus folks uh, tonight. It would be such an encouraging. And if you say, Doug, I want to be a part of this, but I can't be there. At the end of every row, there's one of these pledge cards. If you want to take it, fill it out, turn it in at some point in the next couple of weeks, you can do that or bring it tonight with you. The bottom line is we want to be a church. We say this all the time. We want to be a church where serving is not just part of uh, what we do, but it's part of what? Who we are. And missions is part of that. And we want to be a church as part of missions. So we want to encourage you to be part of Global Impact Conference. Once again, let's give a round of applause for our missionaries and them being on the front line of all that they do. So thankful. And when we're done today, when we're done, if you want to know more, they're going to be st there's tables out there. I'm sure they would love to talk to you about what they're doing and kind of the ministry that they have there. And so please take some time to talk to them. Now, today we're going to continue in our series called Winning, Getting Game Ready. So this is your first time with us. I want to kind of, uh, kind of explain to you what we mean by winning. Winning is not this prosperity gospel concept. By winning, we're talking about those moments in our lives where we experience those small victories where God works in us and through us in a powerful way. And quite frankly, aren't those the best victories anyway? 
Those moments when God uses us and he works in us and through us to carry out his purpose and his plans and to make his name known. Isn't that the best victories anyway? So that's what we mean by winning. But if we're going to win like that, we've got to be game ready. And if we're going to be game ready, we've talked about several things. First of all, we talked about we've got to be positioned right. We've got to make sure that our positioning is correct if we're going to be winning in this thing called life. We've got to make sure we're positioned with the Lord instead of positioned with people who want to have the wrong voices in our ears. Then we've got to make sure that we're actually a player. Are we a player in the game? Are we just a spectator? Someone who's on the sidelines, someone who comes to church. I wear the tag Christian, but it doesn't reflect in any other area of my life. Are we a player or spectator? And then if we're going to be game ready, we got to know God's game plan. What is God's plan for you and I? And we said what it was a couple weeks ago in Micah 6, 8, is to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. To do what's right, show kindness, and to walk with the Lord. That's God's game plan. But that's not only enough to know God's game plan, we've got to put it into what? Practice, right? We've got to put it into practice. Now, this is all great, but here's what I know about most of us. Maybe we've kind of gone through this, okay, I'm positioning myself well. Yes, I'm a player. I'm getting in the game. Yes, I know the plan. Yes, I'm putting to practice. But Doug, one thing that happens sometimes in life when I'm really living for the Lord is I experience pain, Right? And we've got to learn to play through the pain if we are going to be game ready. And we talked about that last week. Now, today we're going to talk about another topic, and it's the issue of if we're going to be game ready, we've got to learn to be committed to being persistent. We've got to be persistent. In fact, one reason I'm so glad our missionaries are here today, because if there's anybody that understands persistence, it's our missionaries. If there's anybody that understands what it means to keep on keeping on, it's our couple with the pioneers as what the ministry they have all across the globe. It's Patrick and Katie as they seek to make a difference in New York and Queens and in the financial district. I mean, I mean, was COVID difficult for you, Patrick? In fact, he told me this morning, 70% of their church went away after COVID. So, I mean, so you can imagine if they had 100 people, that means when the COVID was over with, 30 showed up. Now, many of them probably moved to Florida, right? Because we, but 70% of his congregation just gone. And so this idea of persistence is something that we need to know about. Now, think about it this way. When I played football in high school, uh, I remember that probably the toughest part of football was two-a-day practice. Anybody can resonate with that? Two-a-day practice. If you didn't raise your hand, it means you probably didn't play. So two-a-days were difficult. What I was always intrigued with about two-a-days was, now when I, when I played two-a-days, as many of you that are in your 40s, it wasn't like it is today. We would start at 8 o'clock and go till noon, and we would come back at 4 and go to 8 o'clock. It was eight hours a day, and like water breaks, that was earned, not just given because the, the school system and the state said, we have to keep people alive. So I mean, there were kind of earned water breaks. And so that's what two days were. But I was always amazed at how many people during two days just quit. They would just quit. They would quit maybe because there's like, I don't want to spend eight hours for 14 days in this blazing August sun to know that I'm going to ride the bench. I don't know. They just, they just quit. And they, maybe they didn't want to be out there eight hours a day. Or maybe it was just too hot for them. I don't know you, but uh, I know it's hot in Florida. I, I know it's hot. But I'm from southeast Missouri, and there's a level of humidity. It's kind of like the armpit of America. I mean, it is not just hot. It is steamy, and it is miserable. If you're from Missouri, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the armpit of America. It is miserable there. And so maybe they just want to be in the heat. Or maybe they're like, hey, I'm out here all this time. I'm not getting any playing time. I don't know what the reason was, but people just quit. 
And as I backed up and looked at that, I thought, okay, when it comes to two days, there was, for people that wanted to play, there was no drive, there was no passion, there was no motivation. And as I look back on that time, here's what I've learned. And I've learned it not only in the areas of athletics, but also in areas of faith. And it's this, is that true success and victory requires persistence. You believe that this morning, church? That if we're going to succeed and God's going to work in us and through us to make a difference for his kingdom, his name, and his renown, it's going to require persistence on our part. It's going to require us deciding no matter what happens around us, I'm going to keep keeping on. So how do we do it? If you have your Bibles, the book of Philippians is where I'm going to be this morning. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. If you don't mind, I know you just sit down, but I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of reading God's Word. Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to begin reading in verse 12. The Apostle Paul is speaking. Here's what he says. Not that I've already obtained this, or that I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining for what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize, for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, I love you. Speak to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a seat if you would, just for a moment. Now, when you look at this passage... The first thing I want you to notice is that there's a phrase that Paul used here, which I love. He says here, one thing I do. Now, if you notice out of the gate, he says, he says, not that I've already been made perfect. You know what Paul is basically saying? I'm still a work in progress. Anybody in the room a Christian and you're still a work in progress? (laughs) Some of you aren't sure, but you are. I promise you, you are. I know some of you, you are a work in progress, right? I mean, that's the thing is, he's like, look, I'm I'm a work in progress, But here's one thing I do. Now, that phrase, one thing I do, is not referring to one thing he does. I know it's confusing because he's about to tell us three things he does, which we'll get to in a moment. But it's a phrase that says, you know, despite what's going on, I'm a work in progress, but there's some things in my life that motivate me. There's something in my life that's the primary focus of my life. So no matter what's going on around me, no matter the pain that I felt, no matter the hurt that I've gone through, no matter the failures of my life, I'm a work in progress, and no matter what's going on around me, there's something that I focus on. There's something that motivates how I live my life. See, this phrase, one thing I do, is a phrase to remind us that Paul had a heart to be persistent. And this quick question. Many of you know Paul's story. Do you think there might have been a moment Paul's like, I'm waving the white flag. I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been imprisoned. I've been ridiculed, I've been rebuked, I've been ostracized. I mean, I've had all, I mean, would there be a point in your life you're like waving the white flag going, I am done? Not Paul. Paul says, listen, Jesus is still doing a work in my life. He's still refining me, shaping me, sanctifying me. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of junk that's going on in my life, but there's one thing I do. Now, there's, there's a primary focus and motivation in my life no matter what happens. And then he tells us three things. And these three things are three things that Paul did to be persistent in the faith. And they're the same three things that are required of us if we're going to be persistent in living for the Lord. And here's the first thing. We've got to let go of the past. Do you hear what he said there in verse 13? He said, forgetting what lies where? Come on, forgetting what lies where? 
behind. Behind us. It's the idea, this idea of forgetting means not only to let go of, it means to let it have no longer have an influence over you. So he's like, I want to, we got to learn to let go of the past. Now think about the person writing this letter. Did Paul have a past? Come on, church, you wake this morning. Did Paul have a past? Yeah, he had a past. He killed Christians, didn't he? You think there was a moment when Paul is pinning this letter and he's writing this down? There's this reminder of him. Look what you used to do. Look who you used to be. Yeah, you may have had a religious uh, education. Yeah, you may have known a lot of stuff. Yeah, you may have been on the, the pathway to being the upper echelon of the Jewish faith. But at the end of the day, you killed Christians. And he says, but I had to let go of the past. See, any runners in the room? Any runners? Runners? One. Right? Okay, so contrary to what you may think, I was never a runner in high school. I don't know why you're laughing, but anyway, I was never a runner in high school. But runners get this idea, right? Runners understand something. When you're running this direction, do you look behind you? No, because if you look behind you, first of all, it slows you down. And second of all, when you look behind you, you begin to do this. I remember my middle son, Daniel, he would run. I don't know where he got his speed, but he was fast. And he would run the 400 and the 200. But he was running the 200 one day, and he was, so, I mean, he was so far ahead, it was almost funny. And he's looking over his shoulder the whole way. And I could just see him doing this the whole time he was swerving. Now, if there had been somebody close to him, he would have lost. Or if he'd have been me, he would have tripped over his own foot, and he would have fallen down, right? Because when you look into the past... You're missing out on what is ahead, right? Runners get that. Runners understand I can't look behind me. And not only, not only when I run the race, runners also understand you can't look back to past failures and past victories and let them impact how you run the race right now. Because I'm telling you, if you're a runner or if you're anything you're doing in life, if you look back on your past failures, man, it can weigh you down. If you look back on your past victories, it can make you feel like, I don't need to practice. I don't need to work hard. I got this. I can wing it and succeed. See, Paul is trying to communicate that if we're going to live a life that's persistent for the Lord, we can't live in the past. And I just want to tell you this this morning, church. If you and I are going to be persistent in the faith, we can't live in the past. Listen, we can't live in our past victories. And here's what I mean by that. And don't raise your hand, but some of you, and I've had these moments in my life, for some of you, you might look back at your life and go, you know what, when I was 17, 18, 25, whatever it was, I man, that's when I was really on fire for the Lord. I mean, that's, that's when I was reading my Bible every day. I was like sharing the gospel all the time. I mean, I was making a difference. And you know, man, those were days, man, I really was getting after it. I still love the Lord, but man, I look back then and man, I was on fire. There's a problem with that statement, isn't there? I mean, if you were more on fire for the Lord back then than you are now. There's a problem with that. And so sometimes we look to past victories like maybe how God used me way back when or how I used to could do this or I used to do this and how God used me way back 10 years ago and I'm still living off the effects of that. And we can't do that. We can't live in our past victories. In fact, if you go to Israel, one of the things I find interesting about Israel, when they were wandering for the 40 years, how often did God provide manna for them? Come on, how often? Every day. Were they to keep the manna? I mean, today, maybe today was like the juiciest Big Macs they'd ever had, and they fallen from the sky. Were they, to, were they to collect those manna and to store them and say, well, he may not provide tomorrow, so we better hold on to some today because tomorrow's coming. Were they, were they supposed to do that? No, why? Because every day they needed fresh manna. And I'm just telling you, church, 
You've got to put behind the past victories. If you used to could and used to did, wonderful. But today has come. And we need a fresh touch from the Lord. We need a fresh investment of God in our spirit to work in us and through us so we can make a difference, not yesterday, but today. And we can't live in our past victories. We also can't live in our past defeats. And that's where most of you are. That's where most of you struggle. Those past moments of sin and rebellion. And you don't have to remind yourself of those because doesn't the accuser do a really good job of that anyway? Isn't the enemy the one who's really good at reminding you of how you failed, how you've blown it, how you stink, and how you've rebelled and sinned against the Holy God? Sure he is. In fact, he wants to remind you so he can debilitate you and keep you from moving ahead, make a difference for the Lord. But you and I have got to decide today, right now, this very moment, that if I'm going to be persistent and keep on keeping on living for the Lord, I've got to put the past behind me. I've got to let go of the past, those past victories, those past failures, I got to let them go. See, if we're going to be persistent, it requires letting go of the past. Now, why am I laboring this? Because I know some of you, I know your story, and some of you aren't being all that God wants you to be because you're still holding on with a death grip to the past. And for most of you, it's probably your past failures, your past sins, your past mistakes. And I'm just saying, Jesus has set you free. Start living in today. Put the past behind you and say, Jesus, what will you do with me today? How will you use me today and moving forward? We got to let the past go. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to lean toward the future. Look what he says here in verse 13 again. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So I've put the path, what was behind is behind. I'm forgetting what's behind, but now I'm straining for what's ahead of me. So I've forgotten the past. I've let it go, but now I'm straining for what's ahead of me. In other words, what Paul's saying is now my life is going to be motivated by what awaits me. I'm going to, my life is going to be motivated for what's ahead for me. Now, do a runners understand that? Yeah. Have you ever watched the 100-meter dash or the 100-yard dash, where they call it now, in the Olympics? I love watching that. These guys can flat move, can't they? But if you notice what they do, and forgive my demonstration, when they get close to the end, if it's close, what do they do? They either stick their chest out or many of them like throw their head forward, right? I mean, it's this idea of they're straining and reaching with everything they've got to the last second, and they even throw that head forward, right? Because they want to do all they can to hit the tape first. Because if they hit the tape first, they win the gold, right? See, runners understand what it means to strain forward, to take everything that's within me and to reach out and to get after it as much as I can because I know that if I hit the tape first, I win. Gold medal. And listen to me, everybody look at me. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we know what lies ahead. And it's heaven, isn't it? Isn't that what awaits us, church? It's heaven. And I'm just going to tell you, one of the reasons that we can be motivated to strain forward and to put the past behind, but to be motivated is that we know what lies ahead for us, and it's heaven. And no matter what this earth brings, no matter what this world brings, no matter the pain, the suffering, the, 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 the confusion, the, the whatever it is, no matter what this world brings, cannot compare, and its pain and sorrow and distress cannot compare to the beauty of what awaits us. If you believe that, you should say amen to that church. 
I'm telling you, the world, what it brings us, can't compare to what awaits for us. See, our persistence and keeping on, keeping on should be motivated by heaven. Right? And see, because heaven awaits for us, we can be persistent, which means this, which means I'm going to worship even when I don't feel like it. You know why? Because he's worthy. That means I'm going to pray even when I feel alone. You know why? Because I need him. That means I'm going to share the good news of Jesus even when I feel inadequate. You know why? Because there's people lost and need Jesus. See, we need to understand that if we're going to be persistent, it requires us to lean toward the future, to strain toward the future, to be motivated by what awaits us, which is heaven. Just a quick question. What motivates you? What, what motivates you how you live your life? Is it what awaits us that one day, listen, you all are beautiful and amazing, and I love every single one of you. I love my family. I love my wife. I love everybody. But I'm telling you, none of you can hold a candle to that moment when I leave this world and open my eyes, and the first face I see is the face of the Lord Jesus. There's no beauty in this world that will compare to what it is when I see him. There's nothing any more exciting to me than that moment when I get to stand beside my dad as he worships the king of kings. There's not a moment on this earth that can compare to that. And that should motivate me in how I live my life. And that should motivate you. Is heaven a motivation for you? Then there's one more thing we've got to do if we're going to be persistent in our faith. And it's this. We've got to look to God. Look at me verse 14. Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here's what Paul says. Listen, the singular focus of my life. Let's go back to that verse if you would. The singular focus of my life is the upward call of God. That's it. The singular focus of my life is the upward call of God. Now, you might ask a really intelligent question. Well, Doug, what is the upward call of God? Well, let me tell you what it is. It's to be like Jesus. Isn't that what Paul says in the book of Romans? He says, we've been we are called to be conformed to the image of Christ, Romans chapter 8. That every single one of us who belong to Christ, that the primary focus of our life is to reflect and to look more like Jesus. And that's why Paul said, I press on. That phrase, I press on, in the original Greek language means, I pursue relentlessly. So there's no going back. I'm only going forward. Paul said, listen, the chief pursuit of my life is to live in such a way that I can be more like Jesus. That's the chief focus of my life. Now, I want you to think this morning with me just for a moment as we close. For those of you that are followers of Jesus, we've got to learn to be persistent in our faith. We can't give in, give up, throw the towel in. I mean, the world is watching us. And are you going to go through difficult times? Yes. Are you going to experience pain? Yes. But I promise you, there is a lost world that is watching how you respond and how you handle the stuff that you go through. And we've got to have an attitude about us that no matter what comes our way, I'm going to keep keeping on. I'm going to be persistent no matter what comes my way. And to do that, I've got to let go of the past. To do that, I've got to lean toward the future and be motivated by what awaits for me. And if I'm going to do that, I've got to look to the Lord. 
the chief pursuit of my life has to be to be more like Jesus. So I'm going to ask you three questions this morning, believers. What in your past is holding you back? What is it? Maybe if you wrestle with arrogance, maybe it's victories. For some of you, maybe it's just your own sin and rebellion. For some of you, maybe what's holding you back in the past is someone's hurt you and you still have unforgiveness in your heart. I'm telling you, something might be holding some of you back. And you've got to say, what is, what is in my past that's holding me back that I need to let go of today? Second question, what is the chief focus and pursuit of your life? Is it to get more and have more for you? To get more and to have more for your family? To climb the corporate ladder? What is it? What is the chief focus and pursuit of your life? And this morning, will you choose to put that aside and make it Jesus? I want to be more like Jesus. Third question. What is the primary motivation for how you live? You know, it's amazing to me when you talk to people. I love people. I love talking to people. And sometimes I love talking to people because I love reading between the lines. Don't, don't, think, don't talk to me because of that now. But I, I love reading between the lines. And sometimes what bothers me so much is so many people have this mindset of, I'm just, I'm just trying to make it through the day, man. Anybody ever feel that way? I get up and man, I'm just trying to make it. I can't wait for bedtime because that means I've won, right? I've made it. And it's this weighty, despair, distraught. I'm just trying. No, 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 no. That's a terrible motivation. Our motivation should be as a believer, yes, you're going to experience some stuff. Yes, I mean, you're going to have some attacks of the enemy. But what awaits you? Heaven awaits you. Eternally worshiping your Savior and King. That's what awaits you. And because of that, I can endure anything here. Because of that, I can put up with any nonsense here. What is your motivation? And let it today be heaven. Not just making it through the day. So if you're a follower of Jesus, in just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity for you to pray. You can come to this altar and pray. We've got people that are going to be on the sides of the curtain. You can pray. You can ask them to pray with you. But I'm asking you as a believer, three things. What is it that you need to lay down from the past and let it go today? Now, I don't mean this. I don't mean Patrick looking to his wife, Melanie, saying, listen, Melanie, I heard your feelings two weeks ago. You need to let it go. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what do you need to let go from your life that's in the past that's holding you back. Second of all, will you commit to make Jesus the focus and the chief pursuit of your life to be more like him? And last of all, will you choose to let heaven be your motivation for how you live life. Because listen, I promise you this, if it really is your motivation, you're going to want to take as many people with you as you possibly can, aren't you? Will you make it your motivation? And maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ. You've never made that decision. You've heard about Jesus. I want to challenge you to take a step this morning. You know, a while ago I made a comment that there's nothing this world, no matter despair, trouble, or difficulty, there's no amount of difficulty this world can bring that will, it, it will pale in comparison to the beauty of what heaven and what awaits for us. Right? You remember me saying that? But for you, if you don't know Christ, the opposite is true. There's no amount of pain this world can bring that can compare to the pain that you will feel eternally if you don't know Christ. And maybe today for the first time, you need to realize that he loves you, he cares about you, and he died on a cross for you. 
And all you have to do is by faith, put your faith into what he's done, the finished work of Jesus. He died on the cross and say, I accept you as my life. I ask you to forgive me my sins, to be the boss and the master. And if you will do that, he will change you from the inside out. And then you can leave here this morning knowing that one day heaven is what awaits you. So whatever you feel like God is doing, would you be faithful to respond? Let's all stand together if you would. Everybody stand with me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's stand together. God, I love you. I thank you for this moment we've had. I thank you for the words of Paul. God, I think we'd all have to admit we too are works in progress. But I, I love what I've learned from Paul. A guy who went through it. I mean, we can't, there's no way that we can compare what we go through and look at Paul going, man, he had it pretty easy. He didn't. But God, he never threw the towel in. He left this world proclaiming the only message that mattered. He was in prison and writing things like consider it pure joy. God, I thank you for his story. I thank you that when we look to the Apostle Paul, we see someone who lived a life of persistence. He kept on keeping on. And God, I pray that that will be our story. If we're going to be game ready, we've got to be persistent. And the only way we can do it, Lord, is by letting go of the past. By leaning and straining toward our future. Letting heaven be our motivation for how we live. But also, we've got to learn to look to you. And realize that the chief pursuit of our lives is to be more like Jesus. And the only way we can be more like him is to know him more. So God, I pray for believers in the room. I pray that you would help us see ourselves spiritually in the mirror. And realize that maybe for some of us, we are, we are being held back by some stuff. And that if we really want to win, if we really want to be used by you, for you to work in us and through us for your name and for your glory, we've got to make some decisions today. We've got to let some things go. We've got to strain ahead. And we've got to check our focus. So God, would you just work in us? Would you convict us this morning as believers? And then God, I pray for that person maybe that doesn't know you. But they would realize this morning that as a believer, we can endure because we know what awaits us. But as someone who doesn't know you, the pain of this world pales in comparison to the pain of an eternity apart from you. So God, I pray that today maybe somebody would say yes to you. Maybe somebody would take a step and say, today I need to give my life to Jesus. Today I need to secure that my eternity is in a place called heaven, not a place called hell. God, would you give them the strength just to say yes to you, a strength to confess their sin, to ask you to forgive them of their sin, and to invite you in as the boss and the master of their lives. God, we need you. I love you. We adore you. But I ask you, would you just wreck us this morning? Would you do something in us and through us that can only be done by your spirit? So God, we surrender. May we make some real commitments today. And how we live this week, may it be changed based on what your word taught us today. We love you, Lord. For it's in your precious and your holy son's name we pray. Amen. Now, this morning, have Jason and Kelly over there and Pat and Willie over there. Maybe you've seen somebody pray with you. They love to pray with you. If you've got some commitments you want to make, this altar 
is open. And if you hesitate coming to the altar, you're like, what will people think? Who cares? We're all messed up. We're all broken. And maybe what we ought to be thinking is at least they had the courage to get before their holy God. So if you need to come to this altar, if God is leading you to do that, or even right there at your seat, whatever God's leading you to do, would we be faithful, faithful to respond to how he's convicting us this morning? So have the Lord moves. Respond. If you need to know Christ, I'm going to be standing right here. I would love to know that. Or you can take the response card on the, on the handout sheet and say, Doug, today I gave my life to Christ. I would love to reach out to you because that is the most important decision you will ever make in your life because it's the only decision that will not only change your life but change your eternity. So this morning, let's not this be routine. Let's not let this be casual. Let's ask God to work in us and let's be faithful to respond back to him as we worship.